Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. The title of my message this morning is The Difference Maker. The Difference Maker. The difference maker. The difference maker. Can you say that with me? The difference maker is love. The difference maker is love. Your marriage will make it if you stay in love. Things will change if you stay in love. Your enemies will be defeated if you stay in love. Holy Ghost said, say that again. Your enemies, the ones you don't know about, the ones who smile in your face but can't stand you. But your enemies will be defeated if you stay in love. The people who lie on you, if you stay in love, they'll be proven wrong if you stay in love. That boss on the job who don't like you, who's doing everything she can or he can to stop you from being promoted, if you stay in love, you'll be their boss one day. If you, if you stay in love. If that member in your church who don't treat you right and don't speak in the hallway and speak to everybody else but you, if you stay in love, they don't want to hear me today. Love is the difference maker. Love is the difference maker. Go ahead and uh, put up uh, nugget number one. Nugget number one. We're going to get started. Is it up yet? It is? Stand to your feet, please. Ready? Read. You didn't sound like you were excited about that for yourself. So turn to your neighbor and say it to them. Is it everything God has in his hand is what? Say it again. Oh God, I wish the church really understood that revelation. That everything God has, not just in his hand, but it's for you. And it's good. Nugget number two, please. Is it up there? It's coming. Amen. There we go. Ready? Read. Read it again. In God, there is no dark side. He is just light personified. He's love personified. He's good personified. He's merciful personified. He's full of grace. Nugget number three, please. God's love transforms our lives so that we can be confident and peaceful all time. There's nothing that can happen in this life that would cause me to doubt God and to start worrying. Because I know, somebody say I know. Yeah, God is on my side. Anybody know that this morning? To our eater, do you know that God is on your side? Let's read it again. Nugget number three. God's love, come on, transforms our lives. Is it on the screen? Keep, keep it up there. God's love transforms our lives 
so that we can, come on, be what? Confident. At all times. Even when I don't understand what's going on in my life, I can have confidence that some way, somehow, God is going to work this thing out for my good. Why? Because God is on my side. Jesus. So we're confident and peaceful. Nobody's worried in the house of God. Because we're safe in the arms of God. I said we're safe. Not in the arms of your husband or your wife. You're safe in the arms of Almighty God. And you can be confident and peaceful with hell all around you. You can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Could God have mercy. Nugget number four, please. Faith is not just for miracles and healing and financial prosperity. Faith is not just for miracles, healings, and supernatural financial prosperity. Faith doesn't even work without love. Good God of mercy. Let, let's go ahead to the last one, number five, and let's end it right there. Nugget number five. Oh, man, somebody need to know this. You, you know, don't, don't read this to yourself. Read this to somebody. Touch somebody. Let them know you're reading this to them. They really need to know this, that there's no mistake they've made that has canceled them out in the heart and mind of God. Good God of mercy. Come on, tell them. Say, God will always forgive you. Let's just stop right there. Let that marinate. God will, I don't know about people, but God will always forgive you. I'm so glad he will. I wouldn't be standing here if God didn't always forgive. Yeah, they're going to leave me hanging, but that's all right. I wouldn't be standing here if God didn't always forgive. Man. We're talking about 20 years of marriage. Our marriage wouldn't be together if God didn't always forgive. Mm -hmm. Keep it on the screen. Come on, let's say it again. God. God will always forgive you, cleanse you, and put you back and put you back, and put you back. The devil can't stop it. And put you back on the right path. That'll preach all by itself. God will always forgive me. I love him, so I don't, I don't plan to do wrong, but it's still good to know that if I miss it and when I miss it, that when I cry out to God for forgiveness, it's good to know that he will always. And some people don't even like it when God forgives you. They don't even understand how you could have messed up like you messed up and God still bless you like he's blessing you. And they don't understand that what they're holding against you, God has forgiven you and placed you on a path. Oh, Jesus, please, please have a seat. The difference maker is love. The difference maker is, is, uh, is love. Uh, just uh, well, the last week or so since we've come back, my wife and I have been working just profusely in our home, trying to rearrange some things. And, and it's amazing how many things you can accumulate in 28 years. Jesus. So we've been purging and 
a lot of other things, but I noticed uh, certain pictures. And sometimes when our kids uh, would come to the house, uh, my wife had this particular picture that's on the wall that we had painted. And we took, uh, the painting was from uh, a photo. And uh, some of the kids, you know, struggle when they see it because, you know, they don't particularly like it. It's, you know, it's when they was younger. But my wife loved the photo. She loved the picture. And it, it, it hangs on the wall. And uh, sometimes the kids don't particularly care for it. That's for other people to see it. But my wife loved the picture. And uh, they're, they're, they're hanging on the wall. And th this is the amazing thing. No matter what the kids do, she doesn't take their picture off the wall. She loves the picture. She loves them. And sometimes they act up. There was occasion they acted like a fool. But my wife didn't go in the other room or the hallway and take the picture down. You know how you don't want to see somebody when you're mad at them? But I noticed, stay with me now. I noticed that ever since we put the picture on the wall, my wife has never taken it down. Even when we don't even see the kids or text them and they don't respond back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But she doesn't get upset enough to go in the room, talk to me, church. I want you to know this morning that God has your picture hanging on the wall. And even when you mess up, he doesn't take it. Good God of mercy. He doesn't take it down. And the reason that God doesn't take it down is the same reason my wife has never taken the children's picture uh, down. Now, I hope you can handle this, because there's some times I would have taken it down. Certainly walked by it sideways. But I've learned in these last 28 years being married to this woman that there is something unexplainable about a real mother's love for her babies. And sometimes a mother's love for her children is a challenge for the husband. Can't nobody be honest today. Because sometimes her love for those babies are so strong, he wonders where he fits. Mother, I remember it, uh, 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 the wisest man uh, uh, that, that had ever walked the earth, and, and there was a challenge in the kingdom, and uh, one lady said, uh, this woman has taken my child. And another woman said, it's my child. And, and so Solomon, who asked God for wisdom, he said to the both women, he said, well, bring the child to me. And then he asked for a sword. And he said, I'm going to cut the baby in half and give this woman who said it's her child half and give this other woman who said the child belongs her half. And when he lifted the sword up to cut the baby, the real mother cried out. She said, no, let her have the child. And Solomon said, now I know, good God of mercy, whose baby this baby really belongs to. Because the real mother would rather the other woman to have the child that the child would stay alive. There's something about a mother's love that she will run into a burning building to get her baby. There is something about a mother's love 
that she can have five children and the husband can leave and she'll find a way to feed them, to clothe them. That Something about a mother's love. I remember years ago, there was a man going around uh, killing kids and put them in, in the freezer and eating them. And finally they caught him and brought him to the courtroom. And the mother showed up and said, he's a good boy. And I said, what? Your baby's eating people. But her love for her wayward child did not change her perspective about her love for her baby. I'm going somewhere. If, somebody say if. If you can understand that. God's love for you supersedes a mother's love for her baby. That's why when you mess up, and we do, but because God, we are the object of God's love. When we mess up real big and sometimes we stay away from his presence, sometimes years at a time, but he never takes your picture. Three people ought to get happy over that. He never takes your picture off the wall. Let's go to James chapter number one. Somebody need to get real happy over that. You sitting there all sophisticated, but I'm telling you, if the Lord didn't love you like that, you'd be on your way to hell. I'm telling me too. Thank you. Thank you. Your love is is uh, irresistible. Uh, your love is, we just can't even comprehend it. It's, it's I'm trying to, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's undeniable. It's, uh, your, your love is, uh, I'm searching for a bunch of adjectives or verbs or adverbs or, Nouns or pronouns, ebonics, I'm, I'm searching. But his love is unexplainable. His, his love is undeniable. I'll say it again, his love is irresistible. I, I can't even comprehend I don't even know why he loves me like he loves me. Most people would have kicked me to the curb to know about me all the things that he know about me. It's, it's, it's unfathomable it, it, for, for, for him to know everything there is to know about me. And he still keeps my picture on the wall. And when he walks by and my picture's hanging there, he doesn't turn the other way not to see it. But he is still excited to see my picture on the wall as though I've done everything right and I've said everything right and I've done everything he told me to do. He treats me like I have never disappointed him. This, this, let's look at Jesus' half-brother and look what he has to say in James chapter number one. Are you there? Look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down. Notice it comes down. It comes down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Wow. In God, as we've already said, there is no, no dark side. You, you got to hear me. In other words, when God comes through, there is no shadow. 
You have to have a dark side. Ah! You have to have a dark side to cast a shadow. Jesus Christ. No, now notice, 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 on one side of the moon is dark. Yes? But on the other side of the moon is what? It's, it's light. But in God, there is no shadow. Because on all sides of him, There's nothing but, talk to me, church, nothing but light. There is no shadow. Oh, Jesus. Now, notice here in verse number 17, the, the B part, where it says, with whom is no variableness. In other words, God doesn't vary. It says, there's no variableness of turning. Or changing. In other words, God doesn't change. He, he's, he's the only thing. Talk to me, say only thing. Yeah. He's the only thing that you can truly count on. I mean, my wife, I tell her, you can count on me. But in reality, I don't know. I'm just talking. Nobody like that. Let me go on the side where I know. I think they love me a little better over here. Uh. I tell my wife, baby, you can count on me, and I mean it. But when I get alone by myself, I don't know. But God said, not you, Steve, there's no variableness in me. I don't care what come, what go. I don't change. Now, I, I don't, I, I want to I wanna bring some, some, some light to help some people because we heard a powerful message about faith a few services ago. You all remember that? Uh, but but, uh, but I, I want to bring just a slight little adjustment uh, because, oh, can you all handle this? Uh, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we please God with our faith. But God is not a faith God. The reason God, no, God is not faith. God is love. God is spirit. God is not a faith God. We use faith to please him. But, but God is not a God of faith. I, I know I'm going to get some letters and some calls, but it's all right. Because faith is the substance of things. What is God hoping for? Talk to me. How can you hope when you know? If God is hoping, then he's not God. Now we know and believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. But God didn't use faith to frame the world? We take faith to believe that he did it. And faith doesn't work without love. Hard to get healed of sickness when you're full of hatred and unforgiveness and a busybody and a backbiter. It's hard to get healed with all that poison in your body. Come on, come have, have a seat. With whom there is no variableness. God doesn't vary and he doesn't change. God, I'm so grateful. 
God, I'm so grateful because I've done some things. I guess it's just me. But I have done some things that there's no way I could have gotten through it unless God was a God of love. Is this helping anybody at all? In all of us, uh, there is a shadow. You and I, wherever we go, we cast the shadow. I'm looking at one now. And, and the reason there's a shadow, if you look close, there's a dark side to me. But if God, Jesus, if God was standing here, there would be no shadow. Why? Because there's no dark side. And as, as holy as you try to make us feel you are, you got a dark side. And we're trying to put some light over there right now. But every one of you got a dark side. But in God, there's no darkness at all. I love God with all my heart, but there's a dark side. And some of you have discovered your dark side by standing in a line that's moving too slow. Still working on that dark side. Mm-hmm. Love God. Sing all the praise and worship songs. But battling with a dark side. Some of you are looking like, not me, then your dark side is lying. In all of us, there is a shadow. You and I cast a shadow. Now, we just read that every good and perfect gift it comes from, uh, they have a, 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 a way of operating with insurance companies. Any of you all have insurance, house insurance or something like that? Uh, if you read the small letters, uh, after you get excited over all the things that it'll say that it covers, and then in small print it'll say, accept, uh, you know, uh, an act of God. This policy will cover this, 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 and this, and the other, except there be an act of God. And, and many times they attribute the acts of God, you know, like a storm coming, blowing your roof off. You know, or, or a tornado comes in from the Wizard of Oz in Kansas and blow your barn down. Now, I know it's just a cliche of saying, but they're, re they're really attributing the disaster to God. But when we read the Holy Writ, we discover that God only has goodness in his hands. So sometimes we go to a funeral and a, and, a, and, a, and a preacher who, who hadn't, you know, come to Harvest Church and let me teach him, he would stand there and try to comfort the family and say, God decided to take, you know, this precious flower. You know, though they got flowers and tulips up there. You know, we, we don't understand everything, but it's clear God decided, you know, that he needed this, this gift uh, uh, up in heaven. And, 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 and the mother laying there in a the casket dead, and she's leaving behind four little children. And then people who don't go to church go out of the church or wherever they're holding their, the funeral procession. They go out thinking that God is a killer and a murderer and that God has left those children without a mama or a daddy. Their whole perception of God is all distorted. Because somebody standing there giving a eulogy doesn't understand the character and the nature of Almighty God. That he's a good God. 
that he has blessings in his hands and he only does good things. And not only that, God never has taken anybody in death. As a matter of fact, the only two people God ever has taken in the Bible, when he took them uh, without dying, he took them alive. The Bible says that death is an enemy and it's the last enemy to be put underfoot. He's a good God. And, and listen, if we could ever, if we could ever uh, uh, minister enough about the goodness of God, the churches would fill up because everybody's searching for somebody who can know all about them and still love them. Everybody want to be around somebody that no matter what they say, no matter what they do, they won't take their picture off the wall. Is this helping anybody? Remember, in God, there is no dark side. I almost want to just stop right here because you need to know that. Can I come down a little bit without, the, you know, messing up the video people? The reason we struggle with the love of God In many cases, it's because we equate the love of God with the love of our parents. I can't help you unless I be honest. And, and I've repented. Um, sometimes when you're raising your children, if you listen to them, they can tell you about yourself. And there were occasions, you know, they told me when they got, you know, got grown, you know, and I wanted to fight them, but I, you know, I just backed up. But, you know, they got grown old enough to talk to me. And they said, Dad, there were occasions when we could tell who was on your, on your good side. Because out of the five sons, the one that was, you know, on your good side, that's the one you talked about. And, and you, you would say different things, but if one of us done something that you didn't quite like, you know, you, you would kind of ignore us. And, and, it, and it breeded issues amongst the brothers. Because we knew, you know, if, if we wanted to do something, the one who was on your good side had to come ask you. Because two of us are in the doghouse. And so if you're not careful, they grow up and they think God's like that. See, the, the challenge with your children is that your children think God is like you. And they think, because of the way sometimes we act as parents, when, when we do everything you like for us, then you love us. And when we don't do things quite the way mommy or daddy wants it done, uh, we question their love. And they question it by the way you treat them. Because you treat them like they missed it. And you don't say you don't forgive them, you just treat them like you're holding something against them. And they grow up and they think God's like that. Are you all listening to me? Or perhaps sometimes people struggle, they grew up in an abusive home. Or they've been in an abusive marriage. Or they were adopted and was abused. Are you all listening to me? And, and so they, they carry this baggage. Uh, uh, they came out of a bad marriage. And so they carry this baggage into the new setting. Are, are you all with me? And so, so, so uh, uh, unbeknownst to the, the person, they, they don't even know what they're doing, but they really are treating you like you're the one who hurt them. So their ability to express, uh, uh, what can I say, affection, sometimes is hampered, not because of what you've done, but because of their journey. Are you all listening to me? Uh, I've, I've always told my children, I said, never take your hand to correct my grandchildren. 
always let your hands be an expression of love. So, so you, you can always tell when a child has been hit by their parents with their hands. Or a woman's been hit by her husband. Or vice versa. Because when they extend their hands, they don't know what's going to happen. But every time you extend your hand, if it's always an expression of love, then there's no jumping. Because you know every time the hand comes out, it's going to be nothing but goodness. And that's the way it is with God. Every time he extends his hand, you don't have to jump. Every time he extends his hand, it's going to be a blessing. It's going to be encouragement. It's going to be uplifting. Are you listening to me? You don't take your hands to correct your child. You get a belt or you get a switch. And some of you would be so much better off today if your parents would have made you go out to a tree and get your own switch. It's a wonderful experience. You cry, you cry all the way to the tree. You listen to me? And you cry all the way back into the house. And then when you give your parents a switch, you ask them, did God tell you to give me another chance? For the rod of correction will drive foolishness out of them, not your hand. Always make your hands an expression of love. When, when I extend my hands to my wife, she doesn't jump. And the reason she doesn't jump, we've been married 28 years, I've never hit her. I never motioned like I was going to. That's a bully. That's a bully. That's a punk. Tell him what I said. Motion at somebody who can knock you out. Don't motion at somebody you know you can whip. That was for somebody on the E-Church, not in this room. In God, let me close now. In God, there is no dark side, yes? As we stay close to the Lord, we joyfully receive every benefit and blessing that comes with that position. Well, I said a whole lot there. As we stay close to the Lord, that's why you, you need to, you have to come to the house of God. It's an expression, not to me, but it's an expression to God. Because he's the one who said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Come on, let's be truthful. Uh, look around the room. You draw encouragement just seeing somebody else. Just seeing somebody else lets you know that God is still on the throne. That you're not the only one that God is dealing with. It's a blessing when you come to church and somebody rejoices in the presence of God and they look like and act like they got victory. That inspires you. But bless God, if they can serve God like that, so can I. Why? Because you can't grow by yourself. You can't survive. And E-Church, I thank you for tuning in. But if it's at all possible, you need to physically get in the house of God because you can't survive being disconnected from the body. And there's no mercy and grace if you can get here. Jesus. As we stay close to the Lord, we joyfully receive every benefit and blessing that comes from being in that position. I'm blessed because I'm walking close to him. If he releases something, I'm the first to benefit from it because I'm there. 
I'm like Peter, James, and John. There's a whole lot of disciples. When the action really popped off, it was always Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus was going to do something extraordinary, he would always call Peter, James, and John. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was to do something extraordinary right now, he would call Peter, James, John, and Steve. And don't get mad. Put your name in it. And it wasn't that Jesus chose them. They chose him. Who Jesus. All right, this is not my message, but you all know about the upper room. How many were up there? How many? Jesus spoke to about 500 or more people. But only 120 showed up. 380 had something better else to do. What I want to know, if Jesus calls you to a place and you go somewhere else, I want you to explain to me how that place is more important than going where Jesus told you to go. So it should have been 500 or so experiencing the day of Pentecost. But only 120 were willing to wait. Good God of mercy. We're in the house of God this morning because we're willing to wait. COVID, no COVID. I'm willing to wait. And if I get close enough to Jesus, if it touched me, it can't kill me. Because nothing connected to Jesus can die. Are you all with me this morning? So God's love, it transforms our lives so that we can be confident and peaceful at all times. I'm talking to the E-Church now with these last few minutes. Believers, Christians who don't know God's love for them never fully understand the power of their right standing with him. Uh, I want to say it in a way where I don't cause any challenges for my offspring. But out of all of our children, Jonathan was a little different. And without doing a lot of amplification, most of you adults can connect the dots. But when we look at our children, uh, sometimes he was my greatest challenge because he seemed to be freer than everybody else, including me. But the reason it's clear to me that he was different and had a different set of issues or challenges and not like some of the other of my children is the reality in the home that he was raised in I was his daddy. And that was his mama. So he never had the challenge about the father and the mother's love. They were there 24-7 on point, 365, proving that we love you where the others had other variables. No, she didn't change, and I didn't change, but there were other variables involved who could positively or negatively influence their perception. Jesus. But there's nobody who can influence God to change his perception of his love for you. But if you are not raised in that kind of setting, you can struggle with the divine love because you equate it and relate it to natural human experience love. 
And so Jonathan lived freer. Uh, he walked around the house like a prince. Made me mad sometimes. But he was only acting out what he was receiving. That's my daddy. And that's my mama. And they're the only ones I got. That's why God will never change on you because he's the only God you got. He said, I'm a jealous God and I'll have no other God before me and one Jehovah God is your only God. He'll never disappoint you. Is, is this good? So consequently, when people really don't know the love of God, uh, uh, they, they don't know, when you really don't know the, the love of God, you really don't know adequately how to deal with temptation and to deal with sin. And there are Christians, I'm talking to you right now, you've fallen over and over and over again, and you've just thrown your hands up and quit. And the reason you have thrown your hands up and quit and thrown in the towel is because you've never understood the real love of the Father. And when you don't really understand the love of God, you don't know how to deal with temptation. You don't know how to deal with sin. And because you don't know how to deal with it, when you make a mistake, you cancel yourself. God doesn't cancel you. The devil can't cancel you. You cancel yourself. Because even when you cancel yourself, God keeps your picture on the wall. When you slip and fall and make a big mistake, God doesn't go in the hallway and take your picture down. You take it down in your own mind. Well, this is, this is good, isn't it? And so when we don't understand the love of God, our faith is ineffective. And our lives become a mess. In church, life a mess. Quoting scripture, life a mess. Holding your spouse's hand, trying to fake the people out, but when you go home, it's a mess. Children's life is a mess. Your finances is a mess. Your credit is a mess. You're behind on everything. And got quiet on this. Because when you don't know the love of the Father, you make a mess out of your life because you think within your mind that he has taken your picture off the wall. And so what happens over a projected period of time, and you've seen them, you see them in the store, you see them on the job, you bump into them out in the community where they had just given up. I mean, you bump into them, you can listen to them, they try to act happy, and they try to act, but you can see through the fog and see that they have given up, not knowing that God still has their picture on the wall. Let me close with this. 1 John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. 
From what? From all. Come on. Come, come on. Look up here, church. God put that in there for you. And he wouldn't have put it in there if he didn't want you to use it. And he wouldn't put it in there if he didn't know one day you was going to need it. That verse is not for sinners. That verse is for Christians who's trying to make heaven their home. Good God of mercy. And he said, on your way to heaven, if you fall and make a mistake, if you confess your sin, I want you to know that I'm just and I'm faithful. I will refuse to take your picture off the wall. And I will cleanse you from all the things that you've done wrong. And freedom would come to us if we really get the revelation as to how much God loves us. Listen, God doesn't love you only when you do right. That's the way we are. Give your wife some money if she's doing everything you like. First time she does something or say something you don't quite like, you tie up the money. The time that I really need to know that you love me is not when my life is going good. I need to find out what you're going to do when my life is going the wrong way. Yeah, yes, sir. The baby's saying that I've had enough. The baby, did you, did you understand that language? It says it's time for an altar call. It's time for an altar call. Go to uh, closing out the only book perhaps written of a Gentile in all of Scripture, uh, chapter 22. All the other books were written by Jews, but perhaps the only book in the Bible written by a Gentile was a physician, a medical doctor. And, and I like the way he explains some things. Perhaps it's because of his, his education and his learning. But look at chapter 22, and, and I'll, 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 sincerely, I'll close it out with this. Uh, Luke 22, look at verse 31. Our time is gone, but if you'll indulge me. Luke 22, verse 31. You there? And the Lord said, Steve, indeed, I'm going to read again, put your name there. And the Lord said, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as we. He says, but I have, I've prayed for you. Isn't that something to have Jesus praying for you? And who God, I wonder who he was praying to for you. Jesus said, Steve, Simon, Cecil, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for who did Jesus pray to for me? Clearly, he prayed to the one where the answer comes from. So it's clear the answer doesn't come from him. The answer doesn't come from Jesus. He is the propitiation for our sins, but if you need a blessing, you got to go to the Father, and you got to go to him through the name of Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. That's where we get in trouble with the Muslim world. Because they think you can go to God through Muhammad. 
or one of the prophets. And hear me today, you don't have to go through no preacher, including Pastor Al, to get to God. To get to God, all you have to do is go through his son, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. And if you ask the Father anything in my name, look at verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, when you have returned to me, that means he's going to leave. But God is not going to take his picture off the wall because he knows he's going to return. Good God of mercy. He said, when you return, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, before the, the rooster crow, you shall Uh, of this day before you will deny me three times that you even know me. I want to shout right there, but I can't. Because there's times I've been in situations where I could have raised my voice or done something to let folks know uh, that I'd be with Jesus, but I kept, kept my peace. In a nice way, I rejected him. Because I knew if I let them know how committed I think I am to Jesus, what I'm after, I would not be able to apprehend. So I kept silent. Let's drop on down for the sake of time. Verse 55. Well, let's look at, look at verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. He's, he's backing up now. He was close. Mm-hmm. They, they, and I watch it, you know, they, uh, when they come to church, I mean, when we first start, I mean, they, they get as close as they can. But when their hearts change, they start drifting to the back. <clears throat> Ain't nothing wrong with being in the back if the place is full. You used to come to the front. I, I know what I'm preaching now. You heard it before. It's, it's becoming stale. You know what I'm going to say next. But, but notice in the text, uh, he, he's still following, but it's from a distance. Mm-hmm. Now when they had kindled a fire, in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. <laughs> I could work with that. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intensely at him and said, this, this man, this man go to Harvest Church. What, what are they doing here in the club? getting their groove on. They used to have a a fish sticker on their car that said Harvest Church and took it off. Because they're following from a distance now. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are with them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. Then after an hour had passed, another confidently uh, affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also is a member of Harvest Church. For he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, immediately while uh, one translation, uh, a clear translation, Peter started cussing. Because in the club, they knew nobody who went to Harvest Church cussed. Because <laughs> they know people at Harvest Church don't cuss. 
So they knew in the club, if they started cussing, surely they would know they're not one of us. Because they know the people out there don't cuss and they don't drink. I got one. <laughs> I'm gonna keep your picture on the wall. We'll keep your picture. <laughs> Jesus, help us, Lord. All I want you to know is that notice Peter denied Jesus. Jesus gave him three opportunities to get it right. And three times he failed, but Jesus still did not take his picture. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.